You're listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Mod Advisor and are able to give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. It's going to be a great year in 2022 at Florida Risk Partners now that IPFS is in the game with their total pay strategy, we can write excess and surplus lines and completely remove the agency bill from our agency. People, if you're not using total pay by IPFS, you're definitely leaving money on the table. And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Having partners like Mineral only bolsters the fact that your clients do not care about the insurance. It's all of the value that you're able to add. And with partners like Mineral who can help with both HR and environmental health and safety, we can't help but win. This is Power Producer Shop Talk. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Power Producers Shop Talk. We are back for another installment. This is number three with Crystal Ware. And she's got a big announcement she's going to make at the end of this. But, you know, when when I talked with Crystal about coming back on, because we originally talked about doing like five or six shop talks, and we did three, and it kind of fizzled out, and we got busy doing our own stuff. And now, you know, now she's got some some time and, and ability to focus on this. And I, I wanted to get on and, and talk about um, the things we talked about in the prior two episodes, but this one is something I think that is really, really important. And, you know, the subject that we're going to talk about today is knowing your own worth and specifically why it's important for women in the workplace, whether you're a salesperson or an employee, I'm going to tell you, I think that that's a huge deal. I'm also going to tell you that I don't think that 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 concept is limited to females. I think it is more applicable and more um, probably more evident that that that's an issue that that women need to be aware of and they, they, they do need to know their worth. And in fact, I, I tell people even in Killing Commercial when they're doing their business plan, you need to calculate your hourly rate, figure out what your hourly rate is, what you're worth and anything that's not going to pay you that don't do it. Like it's that, that that's literally how I approach my day. If it's not something that's going to hit what I feel like I'm worth per hour, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to talk to the prospect. I'm not going to deal with the, the issue period because it doesn't make sense. That doesn't count running the agency and putting out fires and things along those lines, but mm-hmm. literally any revenue type, revenue bearing type activity, it's got to hit my, it's, it's got to hit what I call my minimum wage, which is what my hourly rate is. I'm not going to work for anything below that. So talk about that a little bit because your perspective is obviously going to be different than mine, um, just due to basic, you know, science and the fact that you're female and I'm not. But um, you know, I want I want you to to get into this because I think that it's something that needs to be said. And I also think that, you know, fellas, if you think you're going to tune out on this, don't, because that's part of the problem. You tune out on stuff like this. And now we have issues where people need to try and figure out what their worth is when we should help them figure that out. So keep listening. I can promise you this episode is going to be fire. Yeah. So this has come up to me, you know, uh, in talking to women in the workforce, um, talking to college students, uh, young employees, even older employees, 
talked and helped women through a lot of questions about asking for salary, negotiating, uh, talking about their fees and engagement for uh, sales or producing for insurance. And, you know, I've noticed that the the segment of population of women that is willing to go out there with what they with with what they perceive, right? It's all subject and relative to what you perceive as a big number. But I would say it's less than twenty percent of women that feel comfortable going out there and saying, "This is what I'm worth. This is what I demand for this job, this you know engagement, or whatever the case may be." You know, I, I think the same principles apply um, no matter what industry you're in or what job you're in. Um, but I, I think that it's especially difficult for women. I do see that there are some men that also find it difficult to talk about money or ask for certain, um, you know, amounts, certain level of compensation. Um, but it seems like it, it happens more frequently to women. The statistics show that women across the board, it probably isn't taking into account sales other than salaried positions, but that women typically make 84% of what an equivalent male salary would be. And I'll be so, honest with you. That's actually higher than I thought you were going to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it honestly, it was high, a little higher than I thought as well. But, you know, I think it's because we don't always ask. And so that is what I have wanted to start talking about and going forward uh, is helping women. I mean, I've already do that in my personal life with people, but just helping women see what is it what is your value? What is your worth? And make sure you ask for it. You don't ask, you don't get. I mean, there are plenty of instances where uh, actually one of my really good friends was complaining one day that, you know, and it actually was a woman to a woman. Her company had hired somebody that was job coded, you know, probably the same as her, uh, maybe like a half a step down, uh, but came in with a 30% higher salary. I don't know really how she found this out. You know, stuff gets around the office. Uh, yeah. It's not uncommon for people to find out. That's why employers don't want you to talk about your salary, but there's no laws against it, people. If you want to talk with your <laughs> colleague about so what funny. your salary is, feel free. It's only cultural. There's no law. It's it, it, And it's so funny that you say that because earlier this week, we did a, a webinar, a free webinar with um, Kara Govro, who's the chief legal expert uh, for Mineral. And hmm. that's one of the things she's talked about uh, when we were talking about kind of current HR trends that you can mm-hmm. leverage for PNC opportunities. And somehow in the course of discussion, she brought that up. It's one of the number one ways she said that employers are getting themselves into trouble because they're attempting to prohibit people from talking about that in the workplace. And they just, they're not allowed to do it. Like they can't do that. No, hmm. absolutely not. They can't. I mean, it's your personal business. If you want to talk about it, just like if you want to talk about your husband or your problem with your kids, I mean, it's your personal business, but you can talk to your colleagues about it. Um, and and I never felt uncomfortable about that. And I think it's because um, when you go to law school, the top law schools, or I'm sorry, the top law firms, they basically post what their L1, or your first year attorneys are going to make. So it's kind of open. So then you kind of talk about it with your law school mates about, you know, what they're getting, or you just know, because it's posted, you know, if you're going to that firm, you're going to get X. Um, So there's no secretness around that. Now, how the scales start changing once you're in the company, that's different. But um, so I never really had that heartburn about it. Um, 
But talking about it and understanding and asking around to the to the extent you're comfortable, right? Like if you have office mates, colleagues that um, you know might be put off that you're prying, but if you have good friends that you have coffee with, um, feel free to ask. It doesn't hurt. And so I had this really good friend who found that out, and I was trying to mentor her and talk to her about it. Like, here's what your value is. Look, I don't even know the job that she's doing, right? I just know how to establish your value that transcends against industry and jobs. Like there are foundational things that you can say about yourself. I'm a good communicator. I have all these special projects. I've worked with this level of executives or whatever the case may be. There are things that you can talk about um, that don't have to be necessarily technical pieces of your job. And that's what I was telling her, uh, that you're doing X, Y, and Z. And I just know this from picking up on our little conversations over the years. You are in a prime position to go in and tell your boss, I want a raise. She never did it. She knew that this person that was almost 10 years younger than her was making 30% more and at most had the similar job title, but I think she was actually a stair step below making 30% less. I mean, if that's not deflating, what is? Do you really feel valued if you know that other people are making more than you? The way to solve that is to know what you're capable of communicating that and giving them an opportunity to rectify it. If they don't, then you have to ask yourself, do I feel valued enough and comfortable enough in this position that I want to stay? Or do I want to go somewhere else? I mean, so like, is, I, I guess what I'm thinking about when I hear that story is like, is that person obviously the answer is going to be different for everybody, but like, are they afraid that they are going to negatively impact their current position and um, be looked at in a different way? Are they just comfortable and don't really care and don't want to go through the stress of having that conversation? Um, Cause I mean, like if I'm sitting there thinking about it, I'm on the same page as you. I'm like, if somebody comes in doing the same, same thing or less than what I'm doing and making 30% more, I'm going to have some questions. I think that once you're in, uh, and Kyle, I can't remember, did you, I know you were in sales before, but were you at a big company? Yeah. Okay. So what I personally think is that, you know, if you look at 50% of Americans work for a big company or a Mm mid-sized to large company. And I think that once you're in the system, um, you know, there's job bans, job codes, pay bans, all those kind of things. Um, I think that's, again, I think women are more hesitant to ask for something they feel is not common or not appropriate or whatever the case may be than uh, men who may just be a little more bold about it. Uh, But when you have an existing job, it's not common that people will get a raise for an existing job. So um, a lot of times people will talk and start negotiating for their existing job placement if they have another offer. It's not that common that people will start asking for more money when there's no offer and no desire to go anywhere else. That's a fair point. So I think, yeah, I think that was the case for this particular uh, woman that she didn't really want to go somewhere else and she probably didn't understand or know how to approach the subject knowing she wasn't going to get a job a promotion because the promotion was to a executive position and she didn't want that position anyway. So how do you ask somebody to say, I need an increase 
of pay, I've fallen behind. And if you value me, you're going to give this to me. Um, well, the worst they can say is no. And if you really want to stay there, fine. It's up to you. What's the best thing that can happen though? That they give you more money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you're not, you know, and, and so I use that as an example. In reality, it's probably not the best example because she really was happy with the job overall. It just really made her upset that they pulled somebody else in. But what I really find is that a lot of people are upset because the money means they don't feel valued. And that is a problem. Don't well, but I don't, here's the thing. Let me let me stop for two seconds. I don't think it's just the money, though. Right. We were having this conversation before. Actually, maybe it was when we were recording. It may have been before we started recording. But I, I think it also has to do with how leadership shows people that they're appreciated mm-hmm. and valued. I mean, it, it's as much a cultural issue as it is a monetary issue. And I'm not saying that if you go in and pat people on the back every day and tell them they're doing a great job, that you can get away with paying them 50% of what market rate is. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that the money is certainly the tangible thing, but it's also compounded by the fact that there's not anything in place to where people are getting that feedback that they crave. People want feedback, period. Good, bad, or indifferent. They want to know how they're performing. They want to know how they how they stack up in, in, in your eyes if you're the leader of the organization. And quite frankly, it, it's our role to provide that to them. You know, I, Yeah, and, and I'll tell you that that's so true. When I took one of the jobs that I formerly had, I uh, you know, threw out what I consider to be a big number. And they came back and asked me to take something crazy, like 2% less, like literally 2% less or something. And I said, you know, I'll take half a percent less. Like, let me just give them something. They came back and get paid me the full amount that I asked. So, for you. Yeah. I mean, so I got, so even though when I came in after a while, I did kind of figure out not exactly what somebody else was making, Um, but somebody that was like my same job code or whatever band was making slightly more. I still felt fine with it to your point, David. I felt fine because I liked what I was doing. I negotiated what I wanted and felt was a very good salary for my position and my experience. Um, and so while I, maybe I thought to myself, should I have asked for more at the end of the day, I got what I wanted. I was felt valued in my job and I was fine with that. You know, I wasn't, it didn't bother me if I had been unhappy with my boss or my position or other things with my job, that knowledge probably would have irked me a lot more. Um, I have seen the, I have also seen what I would consider to be the complete opposite in companies. And I know of one right now, that's a really good example. And I got to be careful how I describe this because I don't want to get anybody in trouble because there is an op- possibility that 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 could happen. But I know of a company; it's not in the insurance industry. So I, any of my agent friends, you're off the hook. Uh, but it's not in the insurance industry, and it's a company that has a phenomenal culture. The company provides crazy benefits, like just insane time off, all medical, short-term disability, long-term disability, life insurance everything. And this company does a a semi-annual review at six months and an annual review at 12 months. And they look at um, a variety of factors, but, you know, everybody's given a review just like you would expect them to be given a review. Right. And what I mean by that is 
nobody's exceptional across the board, right? I, I mean, you, you can't, if you're getting graded on a scale of one to five and you go into that review thinking that you should be all fives, then you're not very self-aware because there's nobody that's perfect across the board. And so I hear this over and over and over again. And these the people that work at this company completely ignore all of the good that's done. And many times the employees at the annual review are given about a 3% raise, okay? Now, I realize that that's not a huge amount in the grand scheme of things, but this company does cost of living studies and they know what the, the, the bands are that they should be paying. And I can say unequivocally that they, the employees are being paid more than what the average market value would be in that area. Yet every single time, probably 80% of the time, I shouldn't say every single time, 80% of the time, I hear stories about how these these team members are getting reviews and they're getting a 3% increase and it's the max. Like it's the max that's on the company's pay scale. They can't they 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 can't give any more because then they would have problems with everybody else, but every single person wants to understand why they're only getting 3%. And you know, the last time I heard about this, the employee had been at the company for 25 years. Hmm. 25 years. And was complaining that they got a 3% raise. And I went back and I explained to my friend that I was talking to that if you get a 3% raise every year for 24 years, you, the, your salary is doubled. That's how it works. Like that's that's the rule of 72 in, in compounding interest. If you take whatever the number is for interest and divide it into 72 that's how, how many years it will take for your money to double. So that's how I arrived at that. If you take, you know, 20, 23% um, goes into 72, 24 times, this person had doubled their salary in the time they'd been there. Now, granted, probably need to if you've been in a place yeah. that long, because when you start, it's not the same. But it just, it blows my mind because I think that there are some times where companies do such a good job with what they do for their employees and have such a great culture that, if you're not doing some things like sitting your employees down every year at that annual review mark and going through a total compensation statement with them so that they understand exactly what that is, that they never, they never will. And they get this sense of entitlement. And then there becomes this rift between management and the team. Total compensation statements are something I've done yeah, and I've been aware of since way back when I worked with Target. It's one of the best things I learned from them. But what I know is this, and, and for anybody listening to this that thinks I, I'm lying or I don't know what I'm talking about, I hate to rain on your parade. You're the one wrong here. It always well, that's, costs. That's it, something it, else, absolutely, especially important to talk about with, I would say, people that have been in the workforce for less than 10 years or don't have a family. It's not just the salary, people. That's what it else I have to talk to people about. More. Yes. It's like, think about what is your bonus plan? What is your you know benefits? What does your cost of insurance, um, what is your time off? There's many metrics that go into your total compensation. And if you're just looking at the salary part and you're going to jump ship for two or three or three, what, you know, what, two, let's call it two or three, five, 10% of your salary without looking at the rest, you may actually be losing money changing jobs. If you haven't considered everything else, that is really, really important actually to talk about, David. And what I talk to a lot of people about is, it's not just that. And if we go back to what we talked about in last week's session on vision and mindset, 
what's your vision for your life? If somebody is offering you two or three weeks vacation, but the vision for your life is really to have a huge work-life balance and travel, um, it may be worth taking less money and having more vacation. It goes back to what you value the most in that. Um, and so if you don't think about all those things when you're negotiating, you got to pick what's most important to you. I mean, it, it'd be great to get, you know, eight weeks of vacation, have like Europeans or 12 weeks of vacation, and then also get top, 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 top dollar. Um, but that's not usually realistic. Um, and another thing that people, when we're talking about um, big companies or mid, mid-sized companies, whatever the, you know, 5,000 and above uh, employees uh, is to know, and, and they don't advertise this. So it actually takes a little bit. If you're, if you're trying to ask for more money because you want to stay at your company, uh, you really need to know your company's view on where they want to be compared to their competitors. Some companies internally that they will not talk, talk about it, um, you know, to the whole populace, but they want to be right in the middle, like a pay scale. They don't want to be the top payer. They don't want to be the low payer. Some are known to be the low-scale payers. I mean, we know about this in insurance too. There's certain companies that are just the low-scale payers. And then some really want to be the top-tier payers. Well, that also matters. Like when you look at what is the, you know, the market rate, that's important. But then what does your individual company seek to be when it comes to market rate? Because, uh, you, you know, you also have to be realistic. I mean, you can't be asking for the top 2% tier pay for a job um, if your company is the low tier payer, uh, I mean, maybe you'll get lucky, uh, but you know, you just need to be realistic about what you're asking for as well. And then factor that into your decision on whether or not you want to stay and try to get more money, or if it's better for you to go somewhere else, if, if that's, you know, if you feel very strongly about what you, where you're at on compensation. Uh, but the other thing you mentioned, David was on, um, cost of living raises or adjustments, um, annual reviews. 3% as the top just drives me crazy. I mean, I know that other company, there's plenty of companies that do that, but then how are you incentivizing your, you know, your um, high, high post, your high performers? Um, well, they're the one, those are the ones who get three. That seems keep crazy. In mind now, keep in mind, this particular company is employee owned. They get ESOP, they get 401k match. They get more than just that, okay. that adjustment um, based on performance. So I, I understand, and also I will. I know for a fact that every probably four or five years, they bring a consulting firm in that does a study and realigns what the salaries are based on the different geographies that they operate in, um, just to make sure that they're they're staying uh, up there. But you know, if you if you knew the salaries, and I can't get into too much, but if you knew the salaries relative to the responsibility in this particular organization, you wouldn't feel that way. Because I tell you, you know, in my mind, people are a bunch of whiny babies and they need to be happy with what they've Well, got. it's and- all relative. I mean, if you're getting a 3% raise on $40,000 salary versus so this a 3%, is a 3% raise, raise on $100,000. That's what I was getting. You know, it's a huge difference. I mean, that it's all relative. It makes a huge difference. Um, so as you get to be a mid-tier and an upper-tier earner, you know, if you're making a hundred thousand dollar salary or more, the same percent, you know, across all individuals is a huge difference. You know, it really is. Um, I don't know that it's really equitable if you changed it for people making under this or over that. Um, 
but it's definitely something to consider. And your first 10 years, you know, jumping um, up in the pay scale, uh, if you're a high performer, shouldn't be that hard. So if your company is making it that hard for you to jump bands, then, you know, that's something to consider. Um, but this is also really meaningful for women producers or women in sales in general to know their worth and to ask for it. Because I think it's very easy if you're in a competitive situation, like, look, if you're participating in an RFP with another company and you're talking about, you're putting a fee out there and somebody else is putting a fee out there. And what if I'm asking for too much? And are they going to make the decision on the fee alone? You know, you got to come back to your mindset and what your personal value is, is if you want to be the cheap guy, if that's your personal brand and that's what you believe in, be the cheap guy. Maybe you'll get more business. I don't know. I don't really believe that, but you need to know how much time it's going to take you to work on an account or what your product is and what the value of that product is, and then have an ask that you believe in and don't worry about what other people are going to ask for. You know, you have to believe that what you're asking for is what you know you're worth and don't waver from it. If you don't feel comfortable, don't feel like you have to win the business by cheapening yourself. What I believe and what I've lived by um, in insurance and uh, an agency and talking about, you know, what our fees are going to be, what I've lived by is I know more, I care more, and I make sure to dive into the details. And there is a lot of value in that. So yeah, at the end of the day, my services are going to be more. And hey, when you start talking about solid middle market accounts, David and Kyle, you know, things that you guys are working on, whatever you're charging is not that much compared to what they're paying for insurance. Keep that in mind, right? So if, you, if you're charging 25% more than your competitor for your fee, let's say you're charging a $100,000 fee and the other guy offered a $60,000 fee. You know what? If you can put the, together the most impactful, most efficient program, that could save them more than $100,000 anyway. So the fee is a small component of the big program. And trying to negotiate and compete on that is just ridiculous to me. I mean, I've been on the other side. I've been a risk manager. And I can tell you, I would rather pay for talent to know that my claim situations and or my program isn't going to have holes and pay more for the right person instead of paying less for somebody else. So, you know, you just got to know that and you got to own that and you got to make sure that you're getting what you feel is the right value for your services. Um, and it's just, you know, more difficult for women. I don't know if it's DNA difference or, uh, you know, just the opportunities and kind of environment that women have been in. Uh, but it is the statistics show that it's just more difficult um, so working, so for all the agency owners out there that have women producers or are looking to train an account manager to be a producer, I, I would, I would say that this is somewhere you really want to focus on is, uh, making sure that they feel very confident in what they have to deliver the team behind them and that they're going to position themselves, uh, to getting what they know is their correct value. Uh, because at the end of the day, it can make a difference, um, especially to them. I mean, you as the producer, um, that's your livelihood. Uh, and you want to make sure that you're being rewarded for your good work and your efforts and your knowledge and your skill. I think the other part of it is when you do have um, 
females in that position, whether it be bringing them in as a producer or promoting somebody up, you know, if that's such a thing as, is, is being a promotion, I would say um, there's plenty of great account managers out there that should never be considered a promotion to go to a producer. It's actually a step down for them. But um, I, I think it's really important that the leadership of the organization make sure that they reinforce the fact they have an open door policy and that things can be tabled and they're open for discussion. I don't think anybody should feel uncomfortable. And again, if, if people do, I have to believe it's as much a cultural issue inside the organization as anything else, because they should be able to have that conversation and not think anything of it. Um, and I realized that just because one place does it right, doesn't mean it's going to erase, you know, history where they've been burnt by people before or denigrated or whatever else. So, you know, I don't say that lightly, but I do think it's, it's, it's something that's relatively easy and then needs to be reinforced on a regular basis, both by reminding people that, you know, you're available and you you have an open ear, but then also proactively soliciting feedback from them. Right. You know, it would be much easier for for a female uh, produ producer to to want to to have that conversation about money if I'm the one who started it. Said, hey, look, you know, I wanted to talk to you a little bit. Tell me about how things are going. It's a good point. How, how do you feel about your compensation? Do you think we're taking care of you the way we we should be? Because this is something I'm obviously concerned about. Is the owner of the organization? How's your work life balance? And I mean, it can just be one of many things that you talk about. But it goes back to what we said before. We have to be having constant communication with our people and, and staying in front of them so that they they understand that we do care and that we do want what's best for them. Look, I know that we're all three ready to go just devour whatever we can find <laughs> in terms of food because we, we'd said it before. But before we go, I want to let everybody know I've got some, some exciting news that I want to share with our audience. And that is that Crystal is getting ready to launch in 2023 her own podcast. And coincidentally, nice. it's going to talk about a lot of the things, a lot of types of things that we talked about today. So I don't want to steal your thunder. Tell them what the podcast is going to be about, what the name of it is. I'm, I, you're going to be able to find this everywhere, but I want you to, I want you to pay attention to what Crystal has to say. I think that you will gain so much by listening to it. And the other thing is Crystal is one of the best LinkedIn follows that you can get. She is constantly active, putting out relevant stuff. I'm enough of an insurance nerd that I actually follow her and another that other lady, Laura Gregory, that you're um, connected with. And I yeah. read the, the case law that comes out and all of that other stuff. And I mean, I know that just being connected to her on LinkedIn has made me better. And so reach out to her and connect. You will not be disappointed that you do. So Crystal, you're going to end it. Tell, tell them about your podcast and what you have on your mind. And we're going to wrap this thing up. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that introduction, David, to uh, what we're going to launch next year, which is going to be called Get Clear with Crystal Ware. Um, and at some point, hopefully in January, my website will be ready for crystalwaremedia.com. And as I've mentioned, I just really love uh, talking with women, not just women. I'm happy to talk with men too, but to make sure that people can get clear on their visions, know, own, and ask their worth and become the CEOs of their own life because, you know, you are made for more, you deserve happiness. And, you know, a lot of times it's just making the space in your life and having the right mentor and person to guide you to thinking about your vision, getting clear on it, and then falling in line with the steps that will take you there. Uh, whether that means, you know, you want to change industries, you want to start your own business, you want to take a sabbatical from your business. Um, all of it is meaningful and there's a way to do all of it. 
if you just put the right steps in place. And I really feel passionate about this. So that's why I'm making um, time and space in my life and my uh, career to be able to work with other people and help them and put out really great content. And one of the things we're going to focus on on the podcast is talking to entrepreneurs like you, David, and other people with inspirational stories to help people see there's no one direct path, no one linear path, um, that everybody has struggles and that uh, there's a lot of interesting ways that you can come to you know, the right destiny and right vision for your life and what that looks like. So I appreciate you sharing that with your audience. Um, it's been great. I'll look forward to more shop talks and uh, just bringing great content and value to everyone. That's awesome. Listen, people, she has been Crystal Ware. Go find her on LinkedIn. Look out for her podcast when it comes out. Download it, subscribe, leave her feedback. Please do a better job than you do with us. We never get <laughs> reviews. We never get stars. It's crazy. We got like 300 episodes out and we barely got 100 reviews. 25,000 downloads a month. And I'm just going to have reviews. to nuke my whole family with, with like over Thanksgiving, like just get on there. Cause th I mean, there's gonna be 30 people at my house. So maybe I can just get all 30 of them to just go throw us a like since nobody else will do it. Absolutely. I'm the listeners asking. are there. Yeah. Done asking. <laughs> We're not going to beg for it. Yeah, Listen, everybody have a great weekend. We'll catch you next week. See, See ya. ya. been listening to power producers shop talk you can follow us at the power producers podcast on facebook and instagram and if you want to take your game to the next level check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com or visit amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book the extra two minutes